Welcome back. I'm Zanatid Guma and you're watching Stockwatch this week. Joining us for a review of the week's stock performances and answers to your stock-related questions is Chantal Marks from FNB Wealth and Investments. Send your questions via SMS to 41392, email stockwatch at bdtv.co.za or tweet us at businessdaytv using the hashtag stockwatch. Thanks so much for your time, Chantal. Uh, it is a new month, but I'm not sure that the markets can really feel uh, you know, the, 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 the spring in our step today because also looking at uh you know history august and september tend to be quite bad months so can we expect anything different from what we saw in august this month <laughs> so i mean i think we're all hoping that we can see something different coming through in september um most of the international investors are back at their at their at their desks um and hopefully we can at least see an improvement in liquidity in the market because I think part of the reason why we've seen big swings this month is because August traditionally is a um, a pretty illiquid month. A lot of the Northern Hemisphere investors are on their summer breaks. So um, hopefully at least the liquidity side of the issue can be solved in September. I think the only way we're going to get another positive thrust coming through from the market is if we get certainty around what is going on in China, what they're going to do to stimulate growth, and what that interest rate hiking part or cutting path for the Fed looks like over the next few few months and, and years. Ah. Um, there's still a lot of question marks around that. And I think for now, investors will be still be a little bit nervous. Yeah, so basically just on that, uh, just going back to August, would you say that it was just a month of there not being enough buyers or a lot of buyers and not necessarily about people offloading their, 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 their uh, exposure to equities? So I think it was probably a combination of two. I think yeah. that there was probably a lack of buyers and sellers. And because you have low liquidity, the swings just look a lot bigger. Mm. Um, and bid-ask spreads actually widen. So I think that that, that definitely plays a role. Um, but I think that the general sentiment is still uncertain and negative. Mm. So I think that that also um, has, that's probably the overwhelming factor um, kind of compounded by the, the liquidity constraints. Ah, well, talking about uncertainty, of course, uh, a counter, I mean, a counter in a sector that has really been dealt with a lot of nervousness and uncertainty is the construction uh, sector. And Marion Roberts has just gone through the ringer uh, over the last uh, couple of years, particularly the last year. Uh, of course, now it does look like a different uh, business. They did come out with results as a uh, they were, they were bad. They were bad as expected. But, uh, I mean, just as you were reading through, uh, you know, even the outlook, there are pockets of uh, optimism coming from uh, management over there. And I'm wondering on Money and Roberts, because, of course, the negative sentiment has been coming to, you know, from just investors looking holistically at where the business comes from and now. But just looking at this smaller business, would you be seeing some opportunity for the smaller business and that maybe investors shouldn't be looking at where it's come from and rather look at what it has to offer right now? What's your sentiment on Marion Roberts? I think my sentiment on Marion Roberts is very similar to what my sentiment was around Avenge um, when they ran into quite serious liquidity constraints. So they have this Australian business, Marion Roberts, that's now in uh, under administration. They're trying to get some parts of that business back into the fold. But effectively, they're a much smaller company. Um, because they had a lot of debt on their balance sheet, their asset base was too small for the amount of debt that yeah. they had. So they've offloaded kind of corporate, uh, non-core portfolio holdings, which I think is probably the right step for them to take. 
Um, so the balance sheet after the Bombella concession sale looks a lot better and it looks better fit to a business of their size, but it's they still have quite a bit of debt. Um, the other issue that they're having is I think that they're, um, they, they may have been distracted by the situation in Australia for a while. Mm. So the investment, uh, the time investment in the, the South African business, I don't think has been there to the extent that it should have been. So now you've seen the order book coming under pressure. That said, they have a really exciting pipeline of opportunities um, that, that's in front of them. So they can win new business, which will support revenue. There are opportunities. And I think now being more focused, they can probably take on better quality projects and that'll support their profitability. Um, but I would wait for another reporting cycle before getting involved with, with Murray and Roberts. Um, I think that they, it, it, there's a lot of uncertainty still there. Yeah, and actually uh, a question on that was, is Marion Roberts worth uh, any more than a hopeless punt at this uh, moment? Uh, so you're waiting for the next one, but I mean, at this point, is it just speculative? If, if you're going into it, then it's just speculation. There isn't really anything concrete that you, that you would go on at this point? Yeah, see, I, I like the term hopeless punt, yeah. but I would actually call it a hopeful punt. Oh, yeah, okay. So <laughs> I think that it is, it's definitely one of those stocks that you are speculating on at the moment, but yeah. I think that you've got a, you've got a better odds of things working out than not working out, if I can put it that way. Mm. Um, I'm very conservative in the way that I invest. I like to see um, the, the proof before yeah. I get involved. But I know that there are bigger risk takers out there and um, this one might be suited for them. Mm, okay, all right, I get you on that. Well, let's go to um, a sector that isn't really risky, uh, educational, uh, private education. Uh, so we had a question here, Advertech or Cure or Stadio, they actually have all come out with results and there seems to be a trend of optimism and as much as we are seeing consumers struggling um but you know in the fight for the consumer pocket education uh, i guess as expected is is a priority on that front so just looking at all these they all came out with good results which would be your preferred pick it's such a difficult one because yeah. each one of those companies have their their own kind of niche that they're playing into. Um, I really like Advitech um, just fundamentally as a business the most. Um, I think that they've got a very clear direction in which they're heading, doing some really exciting things in Africa. Um, I mean, don't be alarmed because I don't think that they're approaching Africa like some of the, the companies in South Africa that have been yeah. burnt on the continent are approaching Africa. But um, doing some really cool things, taking a lot of costs out of their, their system. This share is, however, trading at, a, I think, a near record high at the moment. Um, still, when you look at relative to earnings expectations, it doesn't look too bad. About a 14 times forward PE, which I think is, is decent for a, for a um, defensive business like this. Certainly, uh, Kiro and Stadia actually looks cheaper at the moment. Um, and they, they're both also very good stocks. They've printed excellent results in the last reporting season. Um, and there's a lot to like there too. 
Um, I think my heart just lies with Abitech, but I don't mm -hmm. think you can go very wrong with either of those three names. Uh, all right. Yeah, quite interesting. Uh, also, and when you look at that chart, as you mentioned, that it is trading at a record high. So uh, also quite interested to see what the technical guys have to say about that, because maybe... Uh, <laughs> Um, yeah, they they're going to say words. momentum is exactly. your friend. Momentum is your friend. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Uh, there's a question that just came through on uh, Vodacom and uh, Sasfin. Actually, uh, Sasfin isn't one that um, a lot of people talk about in that financial services sector. Uh, so should one buy and wait for them to bottom for a few margins downwards? And is there any sentiment to take note of for both stocks? Times are really hard. So yeah, very, very interesting one on Sasfin, not one that uh, we look at. Um, a lot of people look at a lot, actually, even, even with our questions. Uh, do you look at this one? No, I actually don't look at that yeah. at all. I was just uh, giving the share price a, a, a quick Google. And um, I mean, it made a, a pretty nice recovery from mid-2020 um, through to mid-2022. And um, it's kind of come off the boil again. Mm. Um, but no, it's, it's one of those that we'll have to get back to you on yeah. that one. Okay, um, we'll definitely do but our homework. We can talk about Vodacom. Yes, please. Yes. Yes. So, um, Vodacom, I really like at the moment. Mm. So, we've always liked Vodacom as like one of the stocks that you put in your portfolio and you don't have to stress too much about it, but it's not going to be sexy in terms of the returns that you're getting. Yeah. You're going to get your consistent dividend yield um, and nothing terrible is going to happen to the investment. Now, they've made a few changes over the last few years, which I think makes the growth profile a lot more exciting. Um, the first one was... Um, going into Egypt. So Egypt is a very exciting market from a mobile uh, penetration perspective. They've got a large unbanked population, so it plays really nicely into that fintech space um, that, that Vodacom is really pushing right now, payments, remittances, etc. Um, data penetration and smartphone penetration there is also still quite low, but growing very quickly. So I think that that market could offer some, some really decent growth. Then together with Safaricom, which is an investment of theirs in Kenya, they've entered the Ethiopian market, which is even more attractive than the Egyptian market. Um, in Ethiopia, they had the, the state um, telecommunications provider act as a monopoly for many, many years. But th what happened was there was an underinvestment in infrastructure. So even though it's costing them a little bit of money now to roll out that infrastructure, you have a, um, a population, I think, where there's only 30% broadband penetration. So your options in terms of equipment sales, in terms of data services, um, mobile money is, is really, really large. And then the final one, and I, it's been blocked now or recommended to be blocked by the Competition Commission, the Competition Tribunal still has to decide, is this tie-up with uh, CIBH, which is a, a Remgro company that owes Bumatel and Dark Fiber Africa. Um, I think kind of bringing that, that fiber business up to scale could be very valuable for them in the South African context. So um, a lot to like at the moment. I think it could be volatile, more volatile than it was in the past. And perhaps cash generation will be under a little bit of pressure. But for the longer term, I think it's a much more exciting business than it was uh, five years ago. Uh, just on that, uh, the the regulatory issue or competition issue uh, with the um, the CIVH massive. Um, 
Um, obviously, as, as exciting as it would be for the business, but if it is actually blocked by the uh, competition tribunal, would it bring significant pressure to Vodacom or, or not? No, so I think that this is just one, one area of potential growth. Yeah. I think that the, the bigger potential lies in Egypt and okay. Ethiopia. This is just like a, a really mm. nice sweetener, I think. Um, but yeah, I mean, it would be disappointing if they blocked it because I'm, I'm thinking about this not only through the lens of would it be good for Vodacom or Remgro, but I think if we have serious investment um, and money behind a fiber rollout in South Africa targeting lower income and rural areas, that could result in a broader societal upliftment. Um, and while the Competition Commission conceded that, yeah, that's what they said, mm. they were more worried about um, the possibility of price competition and these guys being a, a dominant player. So I guess you have to balance those two things and the tribunal will now um, try and see um, how they can appease both the commission, um, smaller players in the market, and then CIVH and Vodacom. Um, if the tribunal is against, or is against this, they can still appeal it. Um, mm. So it's not the final kind of. Um, it's not the. It's it won't be final, yeah. uh, but it certainly would be quite disappointing for them. And I think they'll give it a rethink after that. Ah, Chantelle, I want to go into mining. Uh, Pan African Resources had uh, a trading statement out today. Um, and it seems that every time uh, this company actually comes out with an update, there's more pressure on the share price, which for me is quite interesting because you've seen in that gold mining complex, the miners actually doing very, very well. And I'm wondering what is yeah. the, the, the concern here on Pan-African resources? Because I think it wasn't that long ago when there was actually a lot of optimism on the company. So... Um What's very what's very interesting with Pan African is they seem to do so well when when all the other gold mining counters are under so much exactly. pressure. Um, <laughs> and I think that they've just hit uh, um, they've just hit a couple of um, obstacles in terms of production. I think uh. that's been the biggest issue for them. So I, I'm just quoting here um, what they said in a previous update. Yeah. So they had some geological challenges. Um, at the Evander mines, so that impacted production. Mm. Um, in Barberton, they took very long to ramp up their production this year, um, but they are working on it, right? So yeah. they're working through the geological fault at Evander. Barberton seems to be performing much better, but your your net impact is that for the year in the 30 June, you're going to have an almost 15% decline in production. So now gold prices are high, the RAND is weak, this is mm -hmm. supposed to be positive for them, but because of these, these two very specific issues, um, they've come under pressure. Yeah. Um, and when your production goes down, your unit cost goes up. So it's really bad for profitability when you're not, when you're not producing at optimal levels. Um, so I think uh, probably a, a, a bit of a one, a, a lot of one-offs in that for this specific period. I wouldn't be too negative on the stock going forward. They're very strong operators. Um, a weak rand and higher gold prices benefit them. Um, and they're actually quite low cost when they're producing at full capacity. So um, yeah. yeah, wouldn't be too, too negative longer term. Probably um, an opportunity if you look at the broader gold sector and what it's done. Yeah, I mean, I just, I, I, I'm looking at even a three-year chart and there really have been some wild sing, uh, swings there. And I'm wondering if this could also be a, a liquidity issue. Yeah. 
Uh, so it's definitely the smallest yeah. um, about uh, among the big gold producers. Yeah. So, I mean, it's not small, but it's it's definitely the smallest. So, um, mm. yeah, they'll see that the chart also looks quite chunky. Yes. Um, it's not it's not like a smooth chart. So um, definitely mm. liquidity playing a role there as well. Ah, all right. Well, Chantal, let's get to your stock pick for today. Uh, it's going to be quite interesting because we are in the middle of earnings season. And a lot of people have actually been picking uh, Motus. So quite interesting. Uh, interested to see what you pick today so motus is also a stock that i really like right now but right next to motus is something that's kind of similar but kind of not similar at all and that is super group yeah so super group are involved in fleet management logistics they have some dealerships in south africa and a few other um, jurisdictions they've got quite a big presence in australia as well owning a, a pretty chunky stake in a listed um, australian um, fleet management company called SG Fleet. Now, Supergroup released results this week, and it was really, really good. Um, cash generation was particularly um, impressive. Um, and I'm liking the way that they're expanding at the moment, making bolt-on acquisitions that they're integrating quite quickly and building scale in that way. The stock is trading on a forward P of about six times, which is very similar to what Motors is trading on. But if you strip out that Australian-listed SG fleet business, the rest of the business, that's very similar to what you have in a Motus, but with the addition of, of fleet management and logistics in there as well, it's trading on a Ford P of less than three times. So I think the stock looks exceptionally cheap at the moment, good results behind it, management was optimistic about the future. So um, definitely one that that i am looking very closely at at the moment yeah is sentiment also fueled by the fact that i mean uh they're also trying to kind of uh diversify away from south africa not that um they see the local business as bad but also just trying to to diversify their their their, their earnings yeah, and it's not just diversifying within, well, diversifying geographically, it's also diversifying in terms of their business lines. Yeah. So um, that's something that I particularly like because you're not, um, it, it's something that companies like Bidvest um, have done exceptionally well. Um, you look at different business areas, you don't want to be a massive conglomerate, you want yeah. to kind of remain um, you want the businesses to kind of talk to each other, uh, but you don't want to be overly exposed to one line of business, like, for example, just dealerships in South mm. Africa, because you'll get hurt quite badly. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much for your time and for your analysis today, Chantal. I really appreciate it. And that was Chantal Marks from FNB Wealth and Investments.